Okay, so we are getting right back into our study. Welcome to our Bible study lesson nine in the Gospel of John. I am so excited to get right back into this with you guys. By the way, I do have some nephews that are here today hanging out and playing in the background. So if you hear excited voices in the background, it's not live listeners, unfortunately. <laughs> it's my nephews. So just so you guys know, uh, we're just keeping it real here. Um, before we get into our lesson today, I just want to call out real quick. We have had a change in one of our resources for the Bible study I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about it here because I give step-by-step um, -step instructions on how to use it. It is in our show notes for today and should be in all of the Bible study lesson show notes because I went back and edited all of that. And I went ahead and edited our intro to Bible study episode also to reflect these changes. So if you are listening to this after March 29th, 2023, you don't really need to listen to what I'm saying because you already received the correct information. <laughs> but if you've been doing the Bible study up to this point, um, there are a couple changes. The app I use, the Faith Life Study app, it is not the one that I'm going to recommend you guys download and register on from now on just because I had some feedback. It wasn't showing the correct interface for you guys when you're following along with me. And I found out too that one of my lexicons that I use, the pocket Greek lexicon that I use in my study, it actually costs around $9 right now. My Hebrew to English lexicon is free, um, but this lexicon that I use is now uh, like $9 or $10. So I have links to those if you want to purchase them and set them up in your app as your resources, and that will enable you to double-click on the words and look up the meanings the way that I do in our study. However, if you don't want to spend the money or the time on that, that's completely fine. I will still be using them as we study together. It's just I wanted to clarify for those of you that are trying to come along with me and do everything as I'm doing it, that that might be kind of confusing. <laughs> so I did finally figure out how to get the outline for our notes, an example of that set up in our show notes too, just the way I organize my paper. And obviously, this is not inspired how to organize paper as you're going through the Bible, okay? <laughs> this is just a way that is helpful for me. And I have an example thrown up on there. At the end of a section, I like to do a summary at the bottom just to kind of help organize thoughts and go back over. We're verbally doing that each lesson. We're starting off with remembering where we've been, and then we end with kind of a recap. So really, me focusing on how to set up your notes at the beginning was just to encourage you guys to organize yourself a little bit when you approach God's word. But obviously, when it comes down to how you do that as we're going along, that's totally up to you and whatever is going to work best for you, okay? So all that being said, <laughs> let's get into the lesson. Um, so we're in Luke right now. We're in Luke 1. We've been studying through the Gospel of John. We had gotten to verse 6 of chapter 1, which says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light. We pause there because we wanted to know more about John. Sorry, you can tell I get excited when you can hear the mic get hit in the background. So I apologize for that. But um, he came to bear witness about the light. But who is he, right? And so we've been spending some time getting to know John the Baptist. So we got to know his parents first, 
Zechariah and Elizabeth, who are in Luke 1. And then we got to meet John's cousin. I guess it would be his first cousin once removed, because <laughs> Elizabeth's cousin, Mary, who was pregnant with Jesus. And even in the womb, John the Baptist like was saying, he's here. He was moving in the womb, you know, proclaiming his presence. And his mother, Elizabeth, was filled with the Holy Spirit and, and prophesied and Mary then gave her her prayer, her response that's well known in scripture. So we've been reading through all this. And then Mary ends up going back to her home. And then Elizabeth finishes her pregnancy. She gives birth to John and she wants to call him John. And all the family, because Zechariah is still mute, all the family's like, why would you do this? You know, he's not, John isn't in your family. Like Zechariah writes on a tablet saying, no, his name should be called John. This is a really important time for Zechariah. It seems to be really him stepping out and agreeing, stepping out in obedience to say, yes, I'll name my child, but the angel told me. But also like there's some faith here too, because he's saying, this is the child the angel was talking about. Like I am trusting God about God's plan for him and this miraculous birth that's taken place. And so, and that's when Zechariah gets to speak. And so then he has this beautiful prayer that he says, and prophesies verse 68 through verse 79. And so this is where we ended in lesson eight. But um, it's just such a beautiful reminder that this child is going to be the forerunner for the ultimate human, the ultimate child who's also going to be born soon. And it says here in verse 76, so you child will be called the prophet of the most high, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins because of the merciful compassion of our God by which the dawn will visit to help us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to direct our feet into the way of peace. Man, this passage is just so beautiful. It is such a wonderful praise to God and his plan for us. It's such a beautiful reminder of the prophecies that have been in scripture since the very beginning regarding God's ultimate plan for mankind. Sure. But like for the nation of Israel and most of that plan has not come to complete fulfillment yet. We are still waiting for that. And it is so beautiful to see that, to just see the excitement over this birth of John, but also what his coming meant, that it was time. I was reading in the MacArthur Study Bible, the ESV version, here at the bottom, it was talking about John coming, and it says, with John's ministry, the 400 silent years between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament period, during which God had given no revelation, had ended. And how exciting is that? 400 years of silence. And then hear these prophecies regarding the birth of John the Baptist and the birth of Jesus. And then Elizabeth prophesying and Zechariah prophesying. And, you know, just so much that's going on here. It's so beautiful to really see it and, and to see God's plan. And as it says here in 78, too, because of the merciful compassion of our God. And um, I'm going to double click on that real quick and pull up this word to understand it better. <sighs> It says it has to do with the heart, especially. It's the seed of certain feelings or the observed effect of emotion on them, like compassion or pity. Another place this word is used is in Philippians 2.1, which talks about if there's any consolation in Christ and if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any um, love or compassion or 
bowels and mercies, as the King James would put it. (laughs) It's just such a beautiful picture of God having this feeling towards us because of the merciful compassion of our God. Actually reminds me of what we studied this week in episode three about God the Father as a member of the Godhead and just the loving compassion that we see from him in, I believe it was Isaiah 55, just talking about the idea about his ways not being our ways. You know, this this compassion and love of God for us is just beautiful to see how he will, because of the merciful compassion of our God, by which the dawn will visit to help us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to direct our feet into the way of peace. That's just so wonderful. This is why John the Baptist came to tell us about Jesus coming. But, you know, this is why Jesus came. And I just love that, that picture of us sitting in darkness in the shadow of death and just sitting there helplessly and that he's bringing light to us. And then verse 80 says, and the child kept growing, and this is talking about John the Baptist, and becoming strong in the spirit and was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. So we have here the transition from him as a baby to him as an adult. We know he's in the wilderness and the public appearance is not yet occurred yet. So let's go ahead. I think we have, yeah, we got a little bit of time. Let's go ahead and run over to Isaiah 40 verse 3, which we covered in a previous episode. But just to remind ourselves about the prophecy regarding his birth before he came, Isaiah 43 says, a voice is calling in the wilderness, clear the way of Yahweh and make a highway smooth in the desert for our God. It's interesting, isn't it, that John the Baptist goes into the wilderness to prepare for this ministry and, you know, though he's growing in the spirit. And so we can assume that that, you know, the spirit is leading him into that, but it's a fulfillment of that prophecy, which is really cool. And let's go quickly and just see Isaiah was written how much before these events took place. So let's see, Isaiah, you could Google this and that would be a little bit faster probably, but you can't always trust Google. And when they say that something was written, because there are a lot of modern scholars that try to change the dates that the books were written and what has been accepted about them being written for hundreds and hundreds of years, because they Don't like the fact that there's so much fulfilled prophecy in scripture, (laughs) because that means that God knew it was going to happen and he told people about it beforehand, and it makes people uncomfortable. And so a lot of times they'll try to change the date of when they think a book came out because it references specific people even sometimes, but that's because God knows everything and he does what he wants. And sometimes that means he tells us ahead of time what's going to happen, and that's pretty exciting. So if we go in our study Bible to Isaiah... And we look at author and date. Let's see here. It says that this would have been written. The prophet lived until at least 681 BC when he penned the account of Sennacherib's death, which is in chapter 37, verse 38. So 681 BC. That's a good 600 plus years before John the Baptist comes. So uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. So that's just kind of a little reminder of the prophecies regarding John the Baptist. Let's go ahead, now that we've kind of grown him up a little bit, let's see where we start first when it comes to his adult ministry. Let's see what gospel references that first. So if we go to Matthew 3, 
it says now in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the Judean wilderness and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near for this is the one who was spoken about by the prophet Isaiah saying the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make his paths straight. And it says now John himself had his clothing made from camel's hair and a belt made of leather around his waist and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the district around the Jordan were going out to him and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, offspring of vipers, (laughs) he was not pulling any punches, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? So he's saying this to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders of this time period who were coming out because he's causing quite a stir, right? We see that it says Jerusalem and all Judea and all the district around the Jordan River were going out to him. There's a lot of people, this significant amount of people that this man comes out of the wilderness and is teaching and preaching and is baptizing people for repentance as they confess their sins. And he's collecting a lot of followers and the religious leaders are curious about who he is. So they come out to see him and he sees them and he's like, hey, offspring of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. Therefore, produce fruit worthy of repentance. And do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as father. And this, I think, is really speaking to the pride behind a lot of the culture of that time that would, you know, the Jewish people, the religious leaders specifically had a lot of pride in their heritage and in where they came from, who they were descended of. And uh, Jesus references that in other passages too, where he's saying like, you guys revere the, the prophets now, but like your fathers killed them. You know, it's very, very interesting to see the things that pride is being taken in in this time period by these religious leaders when they are rejecting the Messiah. They're rejecting the one that has been sent to them and whose coming was foretold by these old prophets that they would revere. And so he says, we have Abraham as father in verse nine, for I say to you that God is able to raise up children for Abraham from these stones. So he's like, hey, it doesn't matter what your genealogy is. It doesn't matter where you came from. God doesn't need you (laughs) to have a legacy. And he can raise up even from these stones children for Abraham. Verse 10, already now the axe is positioned at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree not producing good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. That is an incredible statement. And oh my goodness, we're done. I'm like, (laughs) how does this happen every week? Okay, I will go ahead and sign off. We'll come right back for lesson 10 if you're able to keep listening. Sorry for taking up your time with the announcement earlier, but I trust you guys are enjoying your time in the Word and encouraged by seeing, again, the plan God had for the life of John the Baptist and what John the Baptist was doing. He was shaking everyone up and getting them ready for Jesus. And that's really exciting. So until next time, ladies. Go ahead and talk into it, Titus. Say hi. Hi. My name is Titus. My name is Titus. Can you tell them how old you are? Six. You are not six. (laughs) How old are you? Three. Good job. Now you're talking. I say goodbye. Goodbye. Say study the Bible. Study the (laughs) Bible. Good job.